Whether you drink it, sniff it, smoke it, or eat it, if you can't control it, the result is the same. Addiction. Oh boy. Let's get to it. Hello friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. Yes, and that includes sound effects. We do this by using true life stories of real people. I'm Timothy Gregory, and I've got a question for you. How could someone do something so self-destructive, knowing that they're hurting not only themselves, but the people they love? It seems that it'd be easy for them to just not take that next drink, just stop. It's so simple, really, right? Nope. The same battle happens over and over again. It feels hopeless. So, where do you look for hope? We're going to find out in this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Coping with addiction can be an exhausting and despairing journey. For many, it's a pit that seems almost impossible to climb out of. And when it gets to that point, where do you turn for hope? The man in our story is going to show you. Let's get to it, folks. Part two of the true story of Jordan Northrup. This is what happens when you're as irresponsible as you have been all weekend. Is there any more Kleenex? Check the glove compartment. You would still have a finger if you'd gone to bed like the rest of us. I don't see any in here. Well then, wrap it in your shirt. How far is the hospital? Forty minutes. Uh, I have no sympathy. Uh, I didn't lose the whole finger. Yet. We'll see what the doctors can do. I was trying to get the hot dog on the grill. Not a hard thing to do when you're sober. Would you just... Would I just what, Jordan? This is embarrassing. You have been drunk all weekend. I don't want to hear your excuses. Don't you dare get blood on my car seat. When I joined the Marine Corps, I hoped the experience would give me discipline and focus. It did, except for our time off. On the weekends, I turned to alcohol for escape, and though I tried different methods of abstaining, including enrolling in an MBA program on the weekends, nothing seemed to stick. I also hoped the Marines would give me the confidence I lacked as a kid due to my stutter. But the more public speaking I did, the more nervous I became. Attention on deck. Welcome. Thank you for being here today. It's always special to collaborate with fellow officers and civilians. Let's begin with introductions. We'll go around and tell us your name, what department you represent. You can be seated. Uh, we'll start with the gentleman to my right. Saying my name fluently would be close to impossible, let alone getting through the rest of my intro. I started to sweat. Uh, I'm Captain Banks, and I'm with the Special Operations. I could feel the eyes in the room turning in my direction. My heart started to pound out of my chest. I had a hard time breathing. My vision started to go blurry right when... Next. Sir? Uh, yes, I'm... I'm Captain J J Jordan N N Northrop with log L L Logistics. Thank you. Next. 
I could only imagine what was going through everyone's minds. That experience only reinforced my negative self-image. It seemed like confirmation of what I had been telling myself my entire life, that I was broken and damaged. Alcohol couldn't hide it, and the Marine Corps couldn't fix it. The man in our story was enslaved to alcohol and struggled to break free of his addiction. This is the story of his journey towards freedom, the conclusion of the true story of Jordan Northrup, right now on Unshackled. A few months later, I had a meeting with our commanding general. Of course, I was nervous. I was a captain and could handle interactions with other captains and majors and even lieutenant colonels, but conversing one-on-one -on -one with a general? That was outside the realm of comfort. Yeah, have, have a seat. I'm all right, sir. Have a seat. Jordan Northrup. Yes, sir. You know, I was also born with a stutter. You, you, you were, sir? Indeed. Plagued me throughout my first years in service. Oh, I hate it. And I, I want to, to, to succeed and achieve higher levels of leadership, but I know that will require me to have to speak more. It's a terrible thing to be afraid of your own voice. Yours sounds... I mean, you, you sound very smooth now. I had help. And I want to get the same help for you. He put me in touch with the same chaplain who had helped him years before, and we began working with a medical specialist as well. I began to improve. He also started me on antidepressants. I was not prepared for how the medication would impact my body's response to alcohol. Around this time, I was dating a woman named Amy. Hey, babe. If I had already started drinking, I didn't want Amy to see me until I was clear-headed. What do you think? I got us reservations at Huddo's. Oh, I, I'm sorry, Aim, but uh, unfortunately I can't swing tonight anymore. I gotta, um, uh, my, my brother really needs a pal tonight, so I told him I'd see him. Oh, okay. Uh, wanna get breakfast? With the new medication I was on, I knew I needed all day Saturday to recover. Let me take you out to dinner tomorrow night. I'll surprise you. Be ready at seven. Uh, why can't we just... I promise it'll be special. Okay. I can't wait to see you. It didn't take long before I began to get the sense that I had two girlfriends, Amy and alcohol. And the only way to be with one was to cheat on the other. Coming to terms with that notion was hard for me. Had I really sunk to the place where I had to choose one or the other? Had I reached such a low point in my life that I would even contemplate the choice between a, a, a real relationship or one with alcohol? I would look in the mirror and be disgusted with myself, but it still didn't motivate me to change. After I wrecked our New Year's Eve plans with my drinking, Amy had had enough. Mm, that was delicious. I know. Was it the shallot? Oh, I think my extra garlic was the special ingredient. <laughs> well, whatever it was, it was excellent. Uh, you stay there. I'll clean up. And will you just sit for a second? Sure. I've been thinking. Okay. Um, maybe we should take a break. Just for a month or so. 
You mean, like, no seeing each other, no talking? I need some time away from you to sort through how I'm feeling. I've been going to that men's group, just like you told me. I want you to want to have those kinds of relationships in your life, not just because of me. Okay, well, I do. It's not going to be some quick fix. You you have to actually try. I am trying. Were you trying on New Year's? Were you trying last Friday? <sighs> if I'd known we were going to go sledding, I wouldn't have started drinking. It isn't normal to be that far gone by 4 p.m. on a Friday, Jordan. I'm trying. It doesn't feel like it. <sighs> I'm sorry. I, I love you. And I know you deserve better. I'll see you in a month. Instead of using that month to get my life together, I went on a one-month bender. Though Amy wanted to give it another try at the end of our break, I drove her away because I couldn't let go of drinking. One Saturday afternoon in late May, I remember sitting on the couch, completely drunk and reflecting how my life had turned out. Professionally, I had accomplished a great deal. I held the rank of a Marine captain, traversed myself to war twice and back, and I excelled at my job. Personally, however, I was a total wreck. I saw my Bible lying on the end table. What's wrong with me, God? Why did you make me such a loser? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Huh. God, I want to be pure. Could you ever forgive me? Could you help me start over? I want to change. I really do. I want to see you. Later that evening, I poured the rest of my beer down the drain. I hoped that God had healed me then and there. I was soon thrilled to learn I'd be deployed to Afghanistan for a year. I hoped this would give me a chance to have a fresh start, but in the weeks leading up to my deployment, I started binging again. When I got overseas, I had a lot of time to think and no alcohol to distract me. I started going to church again. You just get in? I haven't seen you around before. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey there. Um, that was a great, uh, great sermon. Thanks. I'm Captain Richards, base chaplain. Jordan, uh, logistics. First time in Afghanistan? No, I've been here once before. I was excited to come back. Chocolate? Where'd you get Reese's? I can't find these here. Yeah, let's just say I know some people. Thank you. So, if you're excited about deployment, there must not be anything you're too sad about leaving behind at home. Nah. Honestly, uh, just a lifestyle I'm trying to get away from. Drugs, alcohol, women? Alcohol. You wouldn't be the first young man I've seen struggle with that. I feel like, well, I shouldn't say this in a church. <laughs> church is a safe place for truth. I feel like God's ignoring me. Mm. That's an awful feeling. Like, I've been asking him to deliver me from this and just hearing nothing in return. You feel like you've been doing your part? What do you mean? Well, deliverance is a two-way street, son. God will do his part, but there's a part only you can do. You want another? It's your last one. I'm telling you, I got a hookup. <laughs> Thanks. Hope to see you back here. You will. And not just because you have candy. 
Whatever it takes. God's not ignoring you, Jordan. He's been calling your name for years. You might just need to learn how to listen. Marty and I grew close over the months that followed. Without the constant presence of alcohol, I found it easy to think about God and to spend time reading the Bible and drawing closer to Him. I asked Marty what I should do when I returned from the deployment so that I would not lose momentum. His advice was to not forget what I had learned and to not be careless. Towards the middle of the fall, I approached him and asked him if he would baptize me. Today we're going to do something I don't usually get to do on base. In fact, I've never performed a baptism before, so it's an honor to share this moment with my new friend, Jordan. Praise yeah, Jesus! Amen. Yeah, All right, Hallelujah. Jordan! Hi, Jordan! <clears throat> good, good morning. My name is Jordan Northrup. I know some of you. I hope to get to know the others. I work with logistics, so I'm supposed to be one of the smart ones. <laughs> uh, but um, I sure haven't lived that way. I've s s squandered away a lot of my life through drinking. There's so many days I don't even remember that I can never get back. But I don't want to live that way anymore. I believe the Lord's given me a second chance with this deployment, and I'm ready to love and serve him with my whole heart. So I wanted to make a public declaration of faith through baptism. Come and join me in the pool here, Jordan. I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. While it is true that I was forgiven and redeemed, I hadn't been tested yet outside of that strict environment. Towards the end of my deployment, I was crushed to receive negative marks for not meeting certain fitness standards. I put on a good show for my superiors for the remaining two months of the deployment, but inside I was furious. I figured that if the Marine Corps was going to treat me this way after nearly a decade of steadfast loyalty and service, then I was through with striving so hard to uphold the dignity of my uniform. I arrived home angry, lost, and confused. Well, look who it is. Hey, little brother. <laughs> Welcome home. I got barbecue as requested. Mm, perfect. I'm so hungry. Well, come on in. You can just put your bags wherever. Bet you're ready for a cold one, huh? They don't let you have anything while you're there, do they? No. No, no, they don't. All right, well, I got Pilsner, Stout, uh, Pale Ale. What do you think? Uh, any of those will do. Thanks, man. Cheers. Folks, we'll get back to Jordan's story in just a moment, but... First, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 71st year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. 
All you need to do is click on the live link if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org, and then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check, unshackled. We take checks. You mail that check to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, back to part two of the true story of Jordan Northrup. I was looking for work because I decided to resign my commission. I couldn't advance in the Marine Corps with bad evaluations from those colonels. Because now I had no routine, I quickly fell back into my binging habits, needing more and more alcohol to feel anything at all. My health began to deteriorate and my weight skyrocketed. I knew that I was sinning and hurting God with my actions, and I was also hurting my body, but I didn't care any longer about trying to stop. Hello? Nate, uh, I need, need you to pick up Dad uh, from the airport. Dude, it's 10 a.m. What is wrong with you? Uh, I need your help. Dad doesn't get in until 8 o'clock. Uh, I'm not going to be... I can't... I... I shouldn't drive. You can explain that to Dad or you want me to? Just help me. That's all I do, Jordan. That's all any of us do. You're a mess. Will you pick him up? What choice do I have? Alcohol never told me that I was a loser. Alcohol made me feel like I could take on anything. It worked as a mask to keep the truth hidden from myself for a long while. When things didn't work out with another girl due to my drinking, I grew depressed and even suicidal. I calculated that I had spent $100,000 on alcohol over the course of my life. After a terrible binge nearly killed me, I prayed for the courage not to stop at the liquor store the next weekend. Instead, I picked up some index cards and opened my Bible. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Galatians 5.1 This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Galatians 5, 16, 17. That night when the temptation to drink threatened to overpower me, I clung to these cards and prayed like my life depended on it. And it did. It was during this period of sobriety and spiritual momentum that I met Jolene. That was such a cute store. Well, I'd seen on your profile that you like to cook, so I thought you might appreciate some boutique spices. Appreciate them, I did. My wallet? Not so much. <laughs> hey, uh, so I looked at your profile too. Which church do you go to? Violet Crown over on- No way! I go there too! Really? How have I never seen you there before? Uh, my small group meets on Sundays. Oh. I also volunteer with the kids, so I'm not always in the main gathering. Well, it'd be neat to go together sometime. It would. My faith is... Well, it's the most important thing in my life right now. I've been hoping to find someone I could share that with. I, I 
I'd love to keep hanging out. Shall we uh, find a spot for dinner? Sounds great. Or we can just grab a drink. Um, let's do dinner, if that's all right with you. My treat. As our relationship continued, I shared with Jolene about my drinking. I was nervous to do so, but she responded with empathy and love. Still, she continued to drink socially while I careened back and forth between sobriety and falling off the wagon. Four months into our relationship, I asked her to marry me. One month later, I started drinking when I was at home. Hey, babe. Are you kidding me? Ugh, Jolene, I actually... Go to sleep. We'll talk about this when you're sober. She was angry with me, but not enough to call off the wedding. We moved forward as planned, and in the early months of our marriage, I really tried to keep my addiction under control. When a Memorial Day weekend with my brother got out of hand and I injured my finger after drinking too much, I could tell Jolene was looking at me differently. I could feel our marriage falling apart, and I sought out the help of a Christian counselor. So you've tried many times before to make a change. What feels different this time? I just have so much regret. I, I've failed myself, and now I'm failing my wife. I've failed God. I'm ready to do my part, whatever it takes. As opposed to? As opposed to just waiting for God to fix me. I'm ready to collaborate, I guess. Really? I'm not saying I'll get it right, but this has gone on for too long. I'm embarrassed. I... I guess I thought that when you were walking with God, you just naturally got better at these things. Beginning a relationship with God brings no guarantee that life will be easy or that you'll totally transform. You have to bring yourself to him every day and in obedience, submit to him and ask for his strength. He's waiting and ready. Well, I'm ready too. Little by little, my drinking became less and less, and I became intentional in looking for ways to rebuild my marriage. I offered to bring Jolene with me to my counseling sessions, but her heart had grown cold and callous to the things of God. For weeks, I kept trying to do what I could to save our marriage, but unfortunately, it was too little too late. I'm not... I'm not happy, Jordan. With? With you with our marriage, with your drinking, with the distance between us. I'm drinking a lot less, haven't you noticed? I don't trust it, Jordan. You've gone through these periods before, and you always boomerang. I, I wish you would come to counseling with me. I don't want to hear about God's plan for our marriage. It, it's like you don't even believe in God anymore. Yeah, I, I don't know if I do. I don't think anyone's listening on the other side of our prayers. What do you want, Jolene? I want to travel and experience things. I want to get out of this relationship that's making me miserable. I want a divorce. When I truly realized that my marriage was over, my entire world turned upside down. In the past, I would have drowned my sorrows in alcohol. However, I knew that drinking would provide only a brief, temporary, and false relief, and after sobering up, I would still have to face the fact that my marriage was over. My sobriety had to prevail this time. I had to make a choice. 
I could continue in my old ways and face total devastation, or I could finally get clean once and for all. April 19th. That's the day? That will be the first day of my sobriety. All right. Wonderful, Jordan. Let me get out my calendar. Just want to mark that date for us. That's really special. Now, let's make a plan to help you stay clean on the 20th, on the 21st, and every day forward, one day at a time. Yeah, I'm starting to realize it's going to be a recommitment every day, not just a a one-time decision or miraculous healing. That's right. Not everyone has a dramatic transformation experience. What if God wants to transform a person by having them repent and come to him for transformation every single day? What do you think needs to be different this time? I need to actually put God first, do my part to stay in relationship with him, with you, and be disciplined. I was thinking it might help for me to get back in community, too, maybe through serving. Those are all great ideas. And how are things going with Jolene? Does she have a role to play in this? For a while, it seemed like maybe we were going to be able to reconcile, but now she wants nothing to do with me or with God. She's moving out. I think we're finished. I, I just feel like such a failure. Well, you've got to decide now, Jordan. Who are you? Are you a failed husband? Are you a drunk? Are you a Marine? I mean, I feel like I've failed in all those areas. Makes me feel like I'm 12 years old with a stutter again. Who are you in Christ? That's who you really are, Jordan. One of the ways I had grown complacent previously was to have too much free time on my hands. When I had a weekend full of empty hours staring me in the face, my resolve tended to weaken and I'd end up filling the time with drinking. So I found a ministry at church that needed some of the skills I had learned in the Marines and I volunteered. Thank you all for being a part of launching our shelter ministry for folks who are experiencing homelessness. We'll feed them a warm meal and we have 30 beds we can provide. What we need help figuring out is the logistics of the whole operation. How do we get food delivered on time? Where is it stored and prepared? And how do we organize our guests? Anyone here want to take the lead on that? I, uh, I have some experience with logistics. Okay, wonderful. Uh, Ben, Trey, and Ed, why don't you help Jordan with whatever he needs? Jordan, over here is our first batch of food. Great. We'll start figuring out a plan. All right, Captain, how can we help? Well, let's start by unpacking this truck. Uh, We'll see what we have and go from there. You got it. Well, I can hop up there and we can assembly line it. Ah, wow. This must be potatoes or something. (laughs) This counts as my workout today, right? (laughs) Definitely. So, Jordan, where'd you get your logistics experience? I'm a Marine, actually. No way. Yeah, I do civilian work now, but I spend some time overseas and working on bases in the U.S., too. Oh, that's really cool. Have you been attending church here for a while? Yeah, on and off. It's more important to me now than ever before. I found it easy to open up to them about my behavior, and these men began to hold me accountable and offer support in invaluable ways. 
I continued to stay on my guard towards alcohol and I fought every day for my sobriety. I stayed away from bars. Even the smell of alcohol on someone's breath reminded me of where I came from and what I was striving to overcome. Way to go! Yeah, Good! Kill him, man! Come on! Bring it in, bring it in! Ha! Touchdown, right, Jordan? Uh, now, what do you consider a touchdown in your backyard? Well, I'd say if you're past the tree, you're in. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> hey, if uh, you guys want to huddle up for a moment, I just want to say a few words. Yeah, uh, sure thing. Uh, did you make this coffee cake? <laughs> yeah, then he put it in a plastic tray. The grocery store made that and did a way better job than I would have done. Wow, that's very good. Listen, I, uh... Just want to thank you all for coming out here to be with me today. This week, I will be four months sober. That's <laughs> oh, amazing. I am so grateful, but I'm also watchful. It was near the end of the third month that I relapsed a few years ago. I've never made it farther than that. But this time is different. And a big part of that has been your friendship. It's most dangerous for me to have idle time by myself, and so I am thankful to you for just being with me and encouraging me on a day like today. Thanks for your prayers, too. We're so proud of you, Jordan. We know how hard you're fighting. We see it every day. And we also see God working in your life. And the sincerity of your faith. Well, can we pray for you and for this week ahead? That'd be awesome. Uh, you're gonna need to finish chewing first. Yeah, I got it. Mm. This was uncharted territory for me. At that point in my life, it was the longest period of time in 14 years that I had been sober, military training and deployments notwithstanding. I felt that we had accomplished something together, me and the Lord. Something big and profound had taken place in my life that could only be explained through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Three months became six, and six months turned into a year, then one year became two, and two became seven, and on it goes. My sobriety continues to this day. Praise God. Friend, as we learned from Jordan in part two of his story, if we believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior and turn to him with our problem of addiction, he will meet us in our need even if we come to him over and over again. Jesus will not forsake us. If you come to know the Lord Jesus as Savior, he will not wash his hands of you, even if you're battling with addictions. But by the transforming power of his Holy Spirit, he sets about to free you from this enslavement. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Have you experienced that freedom today, friend? Do you really want transformation? Jesus Christ is the only one that can give you the second chance you need to be a new creature and have a new beginning. If you have never believed on the name of Jesus Christ, why not do so now? He is waiting to enter into an eternal relationship with you. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. 
It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We would love to hear from you. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast. And don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. winner of the sweepstakes for the beautiful scripture plaque will be announced on our social media and an upcoming podcast. And keep an eye out for the following sweepstakes drawing, which will begin in the next couple weeks. This will be your opportunity again to enter and potentially win one of these beautiful reminders of God's Word. And next time... It's okay, little one. Put her back down. Sue, she needs touching and affection. Trust me, she'll survive. I did everything I could to get rid of this abomination, and she's still here. Unwanted from birth, Laurie Sexton did not experience the normal joys of childhood. Hello? What? Can I come out now? No. But I'm hungry. Too bad. My stomach hurts. Something else gonna hurt if you don't shut up. Being raised by a tyrannical mother made it hard for her to understand that there could actually be a loving God who cared for her. You think I'm going to hell? I know it. <laughs> I'm only ten. Oh, you're as wicked as they come. There's no redemption for someone like you. Would she ever make it out of her cycle of abuse? Don't miss her compelling true story on the next Unshackled. Heard in the true story of Jordan Northrup Part 2 were Ed DiZallo, Michael Wallner, Tom McElroy, Allison Voller, and Steve Bayorgin. Original music and audio engineer Don Badorf. Sound effects Michael Wallner. Sound assistant Martin Robinson. Recording engineer David Pierczynski. Script Samantha Beach. That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ. <laughs>